This evening we want to look at Psalm uh, 104, and um, it is a, a psalm that if you read it, you would think in the beginning first, oh, it's about God's creation, uh, but not so. Not so. That is, if, if you were to write a summary on the psalm, uh, and in the end you would have to say, why is it there? What is it about? Uh, the, the, the point of the psalm is not to talk about God's creation. Yes, it talks about his creation, but most important of all, it talks about uh, glorifying God, glorifying the creator. And le- let me give you an example. Um, nowadays, you have um, quite some modern uh, cars and you can go to auto shows, auto exhibitions and you can you can look at cars, you can look at a Tesla, one of the newest uh, creations and inventions of, of man and, and people stand in front of the cars and they take pictures of the cars and uh, they, they, they just uh, go crazy about them uh, and that's wrong. Yeah, uh, it, It's the engineers, the people that build the car and no one stands in front of the car and says, those engineers, they did a good job. Yeah, They don't give glory to the engineers and the workers, but they marvel at the car. And the cars are nice. Some of them nicer, some less nice. Um, they are, admittedly so. Uh, aber, but, but most... Aber, German, uh, but most important of all, it's the creator one is to focus on, or the engineers. And this is also the case with Psalm 104. It talks about the creation, it talks about what God has made, but the psalm opens with a bracket and it also closes with a bracket. And making clear right in the beginning and also again right in the end what is most important of all, namely the Lord, and that he is to be worshipped and all glory and all honor belongs to him. You can see here in verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, thou art very great, thou art clothed with honor and majesty. So who is at the center of attention, who is the focus? It is God. It is God. And it is important for us to understand when we look at this psalm that it is about the Creator. It is about God. And this psalm um, is also poetry. Now, the poet, the word poetry in Greek uh, is poesis. And um, poesis can also be uh, translated as uh, meaning so much as making Making. So a psalm is something that is making. What is it making? Well, it is making a picture. It is creating a picture in our minds. And when you read the psalm, you will see, oh yeah, reading and thinking about it. I don't like to use the word meditating. Uh, I don't want to use it. Thinking about it, reading it, studying, thinking about it, um, you will you will realize uh, how great God is, and it is making, it is forming a picture of God's greatness in your mind. And I prayed that this would also happen this evening as we expound this psalm. So again, poesis, making, form a picture in a person's mind. Um, the, the psalm, or the, the message of the psalm, this is speculation, but maybe it is helpful speculation, but it is speculation, one has to be fair about it, um, the, 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 the message of the psalm is 
the greatness of God, uh, of the Creator, uh, and it is so big a message that you don't even see, or we are not even told, who is the author of the psalm. It doesn't say. It's left out. And it doesn't matter. It does not matter. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you if you know about this. Um, uh, pastors sometimes they they wear these black robes and this white collar. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the fact why they wear the black robe. They wear it because they don't want to be seen. That is the fact. Yeah. You don't want to be seen if you're a pastor, if you're a preacher, and also if you're a Christian, and you're passing on the word of God. You don't want to be seen. You don't. You want the word of God to be seen, but you don't want to be seen. And that is why the pastor would sometimes wear a black robe. That's that's the reason behind it. Yeah. Um, good. Here, no author. We don't know who wrote this, and it doesn't matter. It's fact. It's the truth that we have here that we are facing. Bless. Uh, again, bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord, my God, thou art very great, thou art clothed with honor and majesty. It's it's a command, it's like um, the, the author is telling himself here, bless the Lord, O my soul. Yeah? Uh, we can also tell ourselves this sometimes, um, this message sometimes, bless God, give all glory and honor to him in everything. Yeah. Ask yourself this question. Do you do this always? Do you always give all glory and honor to him? Command yourself. This is what you see here. Command yourself to give all glory and honor to God. So, uh, verse 2. Thou coverest thyself with light as with a garment, who stretchest out the heavens like a curtain. In physics, you will have learned, and if you haven't, then you also know it, that the light travels in in straight lines. Light, not the light, but light travel, travels in a straight line. Light does not. If you take a torch, if I take a torch here, and we switch off the lights, and I shine the torch from here below this edge, the light is not going to go over here and curve around and illuminate the area in front of the pulpit. It's not going to do this. The light is going to go straight that way. Yeah, um, that is the nature of the light. It has particle nature, and if it has particle nature, it has mass. And we know from physics that if there is mass, it can also be attracted. But in order to actually attract light, in other words, to bend light, you need uh, power. You need so much power that we don't have it here on Earth. We know about this in black holes, and I don't want to get too scientific here. But it is possible actually to, to bend light. Here, the creator, God, is introduced as someone who bends light and who clothes himself in light. Do you see the greatness of God? Do you see his majesty? Who covers thyself with light as with a garment. Yeah? Not with a pullover, not with a jacket from Austria, but he covers himself with light as a garment. He is light, and there is no darkness in him. We know this truth as well. But most important of all here is the fact that he clothes himself with light as a garment. And he goes on and says, the psalmist goes on, reveals more about God, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain. 
Um, in, in other versions, uh, in German, in the Luther version, and also in the ESV, it doesn't say curtain, it says tent, but whatever it is, uh, it's a piece of cloth, and we have here nice curtains. And, uh, sometimes you have to take them down, wash them, and hang them up again. Before you, before you actually, uh, hang them up again, you, you take them out of the plastic bag from the dry cleaners, and then you, you shake it out like this. Yeah, you make it nice and straight before you hang it on the curtain rail. And then it looks nice. The God, the creator of the Bible, the one who made everything, is introduced here as one who stretches out the heavens, the universe, like a curtain. So uh, go up. When we came from Port Aaron to here, we went over the mountains, over the mountains or hills, we went up there and you could see the sky, you could see the stars. It's beautiful. One day in the near future, you can go up there and look at these these stars, marvel at them. And, and, and God, he took it out like a curtain and stretched it out like this. His greatness, his majesty, the creator. Yeah, That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Because his greatness and his majesty... Uh, became active in our lives. He bestowed his grace upon us. If you're a believer, then it is so because he stepped, this one who closes himself in light, stretches out the universe like a tent or like a curtain. He stepped into your lives, if you are believers. He stepped into your lives and he started speaking into your hearts and into your minds. And he called you out of this world. And he made you believers, not you made yourself believers. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 says clearly, if you have faith, it is because of him. It is he who gives it to you. It is not self-created. It is of him. That is the one who stepped into your lives. Or maybe, maybe he hasn't yet stepped into your life and he is stepping into it now. Maybe he is now addressing your heart and he's saying, uh, he's knocking on your door and he's saying, do you see who I am? And do you realize who you are? Do you realize what happened on the cross? Do you realize this? Do you understand that it was all done on the cross? And it's not about doing for you, but it is all done for you are a sinner. Question is, do you believe it? Do you, do you say, yep, I am? Or do you, or are you going to walk out of this church service and say, I don't care about this. The one that walks out of this church service and says, I don't care about it is the one who calls God, who calls Jesus Christ on the cross a liar. Do you want to be a liar? Do you want to be a liar who says what you did on the cross is nonsense? My life, me, I count, not you. What do you want to be? Do you want to bow down to the one who introduces himself here as the creator, also of the church, and most important of all of the church, his newest creation? Or uh, do you want to call him a liar and walk away from it all? Yeah, God in his love is stepping out into the world and every Christian is taking his word his word, not the word of the Christian, the word of God, out 
and spreading it out into the world. Question is, how are you going to react towards it? How will you react? You see his greatness, his majesty, the creator. I'm, I'm making the side note here. He is also, and you have to understand this, he is the creator of the church. He's the head of it. He's the creator. He is the one who's building the church. He is the one who's making it. How? By us being obedient and spreading his word. Come back here again. You see now even more, um, this, the psalm is, is aligning itself a little bit according to the creation days. And here he talks about a time um, of the original creation. In verse 3 it says, Who, the God, yeah, who layeth the beams of his chambers in waters, who maketh the clouds his chariot, who walketh upon wings of the wind. Yeah, I just talked about cars and how how we are so many people are so impressed by cars and the technology. Uh, God, his car is uh, is is a chariot um, who maketh the clouds his chariot. Yes, you you will you will let every car on an auto auto show stand in its corner if you could walk on the clouds as chariots. That is the God of the Bible. Yeah. Mind you, again, this is um, poesis. It is forming. It is making a picture in our minds. God is painting a picture of His greatness through looking or by looking at His creation in our minds to make us realize who he is and who we are. Coming to verse 4. Who makes, or sorry, who maketh his angel spirits, his ministers, a flaming fire. Uh, his angel spirits, it can also be translated as winds, you know, ruach. Uh, the, the Hebrew word ruach means, means wind or also spirit, yeah. And who maketh his angels, and angel is is um, an ambassador, someone who brings the message. Yeah, uh, he makes his his ambassadors winds. That's how he spreads his word. Yeah, um, and his ministers a flaming fire. And you must know that the word fire in the Bible always is a symbol of judgment. So here God is letting us know that He is to be feared because He is one. Who, who holds the flame in his hands, yeah. He, his ministers a flame, uh, a flaming fire, yeah. Uh, he is to be feared. The God of the Bible is to, is to be feared because he is the one who's going to judge. Again, you can walk out of this church service and you can say, I don't care about all of this. If you do this, God spoke to you and he said he's going to judge. There's going to be fire. There's going to be judgment. Yeah, and God is asking each and every one of us to judge ourselves and not to be judged and then be lost. Yeah, judge yourselves. Stand before the cross and see whether you bow down, whether you say, "God, you're right, I'm wrong." Um, verse five: Who layeth or who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever? Um, uh, evolutionists, they, they like to so much, uh, uh, make people believe that they know how everything came about. 
Yeah, evolution, the theory of evolution only has its um, attractiveness um, because it is a way of explaining how everything came about without God showing up in the equation. Yeah, if you if you say I want to explain how this desk came about, uh, and you say I'm not going to talk about a carpenter uh, who, who made the desk, uh, then have fun. Yeah, uh, the the only option is you that you have is to say, yep, it took millions of years, and suddenly there was a table or a desk. Yeah, that is creation. That is creation. Explaining how everything came about without God. Yeah, uh, here. Um, God, God is is addressing this issue who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever and man thinks he is so wise yeah? we are so clever we know it all we know how it came about and if someone like this or someone with this mindset approaches us all of us a good verse that we can quote to confront that person can be found in Job uh, Job 38, verse 4. There it says, Where were you? And now I'm adding the words, O man. It's not in there. But where were you? Where were we? Yeah, When I laid the foundations of the earth. Tell me if you have understanding. Tell me. Where was man if God laid, or when God laid the foundations of the earth? Yeah, Man is so arrogant saying, I know what happened in the beginning. Yeah? Man was not even there. Who was there? God was there. Yeah? It's the arrogance of man that says, I know it all, I understand it all. But God is exactly attacking us and addressing this issue here in Job 38.4. He says, where were you? Man, or where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. And if you're honest, like Albert Einstein, he was not a Christian, but he was honest at this point. And Albert Einstein, he said, I know that there is a creator. That is something Albert Einstein was certain of. He knew. He was honest. He researched everything and he realized no, a desk like this is not there by chance. It was made. Yeah? And most certainly, each and every one of us sitting here this evening are not a product of chance. But we were made. We were made. You think you know better? The God of the Bible, he says, he created them, man and woman. Yeah? That's what he did. Do we know better? Were we there when he did it all? Yeah. Do you want to be proud, rebel against God? Or are you going to bow down, kneel before Christ Jesus, before the cross? Which is it? Verse 6, you covered it, the earth. Uh, no, sorry. Um, Thou coveredst it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. And man knows this. Scientists know this, that there was a time in the past where, actually twice, uh, there were times in the past where everything was submerged, was underwater. Everything 
we know this. And I'm sure, uh, I have not looked into this, uh, but I'm sure that on the Isle of Man uh, there are also fossils, um, um, maritime fossils to be found on top of the mountains. I'm certain. When you go into the Alps, they have found um, uh, petrified, I think you would know, no, not petrified, uh, uh, teeth of sharks that turn into stone. And they have found these teeth of sharks on the top of the mountains. Why? Because it once was all underwater, actually twice. Once before God separated everything, we'll get to this just now, and a second time the flood. Yeah? It was underwater. It had been underwater. Um, you covered it. God did this. Yeah, if you want to know why, why is it that it was all underwater? God did it. Yeah, important. You covered it with, uh, thou coverest it with a deep as with a garment. Again, not a, not a garment, not a curtain, but in this, ta- in this case, a garment. Um, the water stood above the mountains. Verse 7. At thy rebuke they fled. At the voice of thy thunder they hasted away. And again, I said this earlier on. God is the creator of the church. How does he create the church? He creates the church by the word being preached to everyone. And by God's grace, people become believers. By God's grace, people become believers. And those that come, become believers are called church. The Greek word for church is ecclesia. And ecclesia, you can look this up in, in dictionary, has, is, is formed of two different words, ek and kaleo. And ek means out of, and kaleo, you have the English word call. Uh, the church is the, the called out. That's the meaning of the word church. Yeah. How? The called out, the ones that have been called out of the world by his word and through his grace, they were given his spirit and made anew the church. The believers. His creation. That is the creator. He speaks, let there be light, and there was light. If you're a Christian, he spoke into your life, and you became a believer. Honestly, why are we here this evening? Maybe you're here for the wrong motivation. Yeah, maybe it's the wrong motivation. But you should be here because God had called you in the past. You should be here because you want to hear and you want to learn from the word of God. That's why you should be here. Why? Because he called you out of this world. He made you new. Normally, you'd be sitting in front of the TV or hanging out at Pizza Hut or wherever. I don't know what you do here on the island. Yeah, That would be normal. You're abnormal. We are abnormal. We are. You have to see this. We're abnormal. Sunday mornings, you come to church here. Uh, it's like, have you got, haven't you got anything better to do? Yeah, It's not normal. You have to understand this. Why? Because you've been made anew. Because you've been called out. Made his new creation. Yeah. Here you see this greatness of God. He speaks and it happens. At thy rebuke, his voice. At thy rebuke, they fled the waters. At the voice of thy thunder, they hasted away. Yeah? He separated the land from the water. He separated this. How? He spoke and it happened. That's how it worked. Verse 8. They go up the mountains, they go down the valleys unto the place which thou hast founded for them. Uh, it means, uh, I think in this case, um, uh, the, 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 
the German translation helped me more here. Um, and I want to t- translate from the German to the English here. The, the mountains, they, ra- they, ra- they, they rose to the height that God had set them, and the valleys, they rose to the depth that God had set them. So if you want to know why Peel is at this uh, altitude, God spoke, and so it was. Yeah. If you want to know why Snaefell is as high as it is, God spoke, and so it was. He commanded, and so it happened. Yeah. God is painting a picture of his majesty, of his greatness in our minds through this psalm, using the creation as an example. Thou, most interesting of all, thou hast set a bound that they may not, that they, the waters, may not pass over, that they turn not again to cover the earth. Nowadays, if you still have television, I think it's a waste of time. <laughs> okay, I'm a little bit um, joking around here. Uh, you can watch television, it's okay. It's not, yeah. But you, you, you have to know what you're watching. Yeah, You have to test. You have to test what I'm preaching. You have to test, is it biblical? If it's not biblical, you have to tell Glenn, you have to tell me, and I may not stand here. Yeah, full stop. Yeah, uh, You must test everything. Absolutely everything. That's your responsibility. It's my responsibility as well. Everything you hear and read, you must test it. The media tells us nowadays everything is going to go underwater again. Not everything, but but we have global warming. You've heard the word global warming? Yeah, why? You're watching too much television. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, it's, it's the point. Yeah, It's the message of the world. Global warming. Everything is going to get warmer and warmer and, 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 the, and, and the ice is going to melt. The glaciers are going to melt. I know this. In Austria you see the, the glaciers melting. It's all going to melt and, and, and the sea levels, they're going to rise. And we have a lot of Dutch holiday makers in, in, in our church and, and they... Um, the, the non-Christians, they worry because the Netherlands, a lot of the Netherlands are below sea level. And if the water level really were to rise, uh, they would lose their country. But the, the Dutch, they face exactly here the point of believing the world, believing the media, or believing verse 9. Thou hast set a bound that they may not pass over. So if you want to know whether the Isle of Man is ever going to sink underwater again, well, Psalm uh, Psalm 104 verse 9 says, Thou hast set a bound that they may not pass over, that they turn not again to cover the earth. Full stop. Uh, God is in charge. He is the one who makes the climate. It's the arrogant man who says, We can influence and we can change and we can make the climate. Uh Uh-uh. It is God. It is God. I'm not calling you now to be uh, sinners and to drop your oil on the road and, and to, to burn plastic at home. That's not good. That's not what we're supposed to do. It's not healthy. It's clear. Yeah. But God is the one who creates climate. Yeah. He is the one. Yeah. What do you follow? The media, the news, television, or the Bible? What do you believe? Where do you stand? Verse 10, you have here also valleys, and uh, or you call them glens. So you could maybe add here the word, or cha- interchange the word glen. He sendeth the, the, the springs into the glens, which run, run among the hills. 
Yeah, it is He who does this. Yeah, He sendeth the springs into the valleys. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild asses quench their thirst. Yeah, uh, God is supplying. He's doing everything. He is the creator of rain. Yeah, He is the one who who also uh, lets it rain. Why? So that his creation gets water to feed on. You have it here. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild asses quench their thirst. By them shall the fowls or the birds of the heaven have their habitation, which sing among the branches. So we have here also many birds. Bird life is very active here. Why is it there? God created it all. He spoke it into being. That's why it's there. He watereth the hills from his chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy work. Very important here. It is God who gives rain. He watereth the hills from his chambers. In Dutch, there is a saying which I have translated into English, and you can think about this. If you say, the weather is bad, you're saying God is bad. If you say, the weather is bad, which God makes, you're saying God is bad. Yeah, And and the Dutch, in their own language, they have a, a rhyme there. Uh, I haven't memorized it now. I would have to read it up at home, but they have a rhyme there. And there is truth in it. He is the one who gives the weather. He lets it rain. He watereth um, the hills from his chambers. Why? The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. Yeah, Because he gives the water, the fruits grow. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and the herb for the service of man that he may bring forth food out of the earth. Here, uh, for the first time, man is mentioned. Uh, and he's only mentioned on the side. Why? Because God created all of this for man. And he set man into paradise. He set us into this earth. Um, this is the environment he created for us. But he's not focusing on on man here. And that is good. It is not The focus is not on us. And the focus is not on creation, the focus is on the creator. Yeah. And he made it all for us. Why? So that we again give glory and honor to him. And if we're believers, we do this. Otherwise, we don't. Verse 15, And wine that maketh glad the heart of man, and oil to make his face to shine, and bread <coughs> which strengthens man's heart. These are symbols of richness. That means God gives us more than what we need. Oil and wine to make us shine. It's not a ticket to become alcoholics now. Uh, in fact, we must be careful about alcohol. Um, verse 16. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon, which he hath planted. Most interesting here, he says, the trees of the Lord they are God's trees. They are not our trees. They are not someone else's trees. But he says, the trees of the Lord. Something to just think about. Uh, the creation, it is his. He has made it and it is his. Um, sorry, again here. Um, the, the cedars of the Lebanon, which he has planted, where the birds make their nests as for the stork. The fir trees are her house. 
The high hills are a refuge for the wild goats and the rocks for the conies. And now you don't have wild goats here. Actually, you do have wild goats. They're called, uh, what do you call the sheep here again with the four horns? The uh, loxen. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he made everything for these animals and maybe even more. Uh, the conies you could also translate here the, do you say marmites? Uh, do, do you say this? Uh, in, in, in German? Hmm? Marmoth, sorry, marmoth. Marmite is what you eat, yes, thank you. Okay, <laughs> okay, the marmoth, yeah. And, and he, he made all this, the rocks for the marmoth, yeah. He made this, he did this, he created it all for his animals. He appointed the moon for seasons, the sun knoweth his going down. God is the one who also created time. Yeah, if we want to know why we have the time, here we have proof. He is the one. He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knoweth his going down. Thou may, my, sorry, thou makest darkness and it is night, wherein all the beasts of the forest do creep forth. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their meat from God. I come from Africa. My, my parents are German, but I was born in Africa and raised and grew up, spent most years in Africa. And I've been in South Africa and in Namibia in, in, and in Zimbabwe in different uh, game parks like the Kruger National Park. And I, 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 I can tell you, you, you may not, you should not, and you don't want to be out in the wild during the night. You don't want to be there. I can tell you of one situation I had. I was sleeping in a in an RV in a camper, and the camper was parked next to the fence within a camp that was surrounded by a big fence to protect you from the wild animals. And I was trying to fall asleep, and all of a sudden I heard uh, a couple of lions roaring and shouting out loud, and it made my hair stand on end. Uh, it's, it was dark. It was t- pitch black. And you hear the lions shouting. And then all of a sudden you hear also, or I heard a, a deer in Impala uh, as it was slain. It, I heard its last cries. And that is the, the that is the moaning of creation for the fall because of sin. You hear this as well. Yeah. But God, he cares for everything. He looks after everything. And that's the picture he's painting here. He's looking after everything. He's in charge. Verse 22. The sun arises. They gather themselves together and lay, da- lay them down in their dens. And that's exactly what you have in Africa. When you want to see the animals, the best time to do so is at night. But you don't want to go out there at night. It's too dangerous. So what is the second best time? As early as, as, early as possible in the morning or as late as possible before the sun sets. And that's when you go out into the park. That's when you see most the animals. They're most active during those times. Here as well, the hares, the rabbits, when are they most active? Nocturnal animals. At night, they come out and they're all over the island, I assume. During the day, you don't see them. Can you, can you affirm this? Confirm it? Yes, it is so. Yeah. And that's what you have here. The sun arises. They gather themselves together and lay them down in their dens. Can you see the truth? It's all there. 
Man goeth forth. Here man is mentioned one more time. Man goeth forth unto his work and to his labor until the evening. Again, God created all of this and put man into the middle of it. And we are to be shepherds and stewards of his creation and look well after it. Verse 24. O Lord, how manifold are thy works. In wisdom hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. Now you've heard a lot through the psalmist um, to paint a picture in your minds of God's greatness by looking at his manifold works. Can you see how it's, how it's coming together? Um, verse 25. So is the great and wide sea. We are here in the middle of the sea and you know uh, a lot about it. So is the great and wide sea wherein are things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts. And when you talk to the fishers, the fishermen, and uh, and look into their nets, into their boats after they went out fishing, you will see these innumerable animals, fish, um, um, that they actually catch going out, uh, both small and great beasts. Verse 26, there go the ships, there is the Leviathan, whom thou hast made to play therein. What a nice picture. When you look at old maps, um, a couple of hundred years old maps of, of the sea, sometimes you see um, kind of monsters on these maps. Why? Because there are some animals in the depth of the sea that until today we don't know about. Some of them are already perished, don't exist anymore, but there are some very uh, interesting and huge creatures that God has made that exist and that live in the depths of the sea. Here, the Leviathan. Verse 27, These wait all upon thee, that thou mayest give them their meat in due season. God feeds them. If you have, if you have an animal like Glenn has uh, Ted and... Alexandra and myself, we have Bella, and when it gets close to three o'clock, uh, Bella knows who her master is. She knows her can opener. <laughs> no, she doesn't get food from the can, she gets uh, self-cooked food. Um, but at three o'clock, she comes up to me and she starts irritating me. She starts scratching me, because I am the one who... Who, who looks after her, who gives to her, and she knows this. And Glenn can probably say the same of Ted. Yeah, And everyone else here who has an animal, even if it's not a, a dog, a cat is the same, the birds are the same, they all know. Yeah, And ultimately, it all comes from God. It comes from Him. And the creation knows. They wait all upon thee, that thou mayest give them their meat in due season, that thou givest them they gather. Thou openest thine hand, and they are filled with good. Yeah, God gives, and they are filled with good. Thou hidest thy face. They are troubled. Thou takest away their breath. They die and return to dust. His majesty. He is the potter. We are the clay. In his mercy, he stepped into our lives, and us clay he gave his spirit, made us anew. Yeah. You have to understand this. It's very important. Yeah. Here you have the same. An animal is not the same as a human being. But you see here also his majesty. He gives life and he takes life. He speaks, let there be, and 
He says, let there not be any more. And we are not to interfere in this. Thou hidest thy face. They are troubled. Thou takest away their breath. They die and return to their dust. Thou sendest forth the spirit. They are created. And thou renewest the face of the earth. Yeah? God creates his church through his word and his spirit. Coming to the last five verses. Verse 31. The glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. Yeah? It is his and he's rejoicing. Yeah? Uh, he looketh on the earth and it trembleth. He touches the hills and they smoke. Uh, not too long ago I heard about an earthquake uh, along the St. Andreas Fault, uh, I think near Los Angeles, and it was um, apparently remarkably strong. Um, you know that they're always waiting for the big one to hit the area there. But uh, why? Why is it so? Very simple. He looketh on the earth, and so it happens. So the next time we hear about an earthquake on the news somewhere, then we know, ah, God looked at it. He looked at it. Yeah. It is poetry. It is painting a picture of his greatness in our minds. Yeah. It's important to understand this. This is the one why we are gathered here this evening. And his greatness is being painted in our minds, looking at the creation here. Um, so he looks at the earth and it starts trembling. He touches the hills and they smoke. What do you call a hill that smokes? A volcano. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but I, I read this on Wikipedia. According to, to Wikipedia, somewhere near Peel, there is an old inactive volcano. Do you know this? Am I telling you something you don't know? Uh, you can, you can look this up. Yeah. Um, I looked at the geology of the Isle of Man and somewhere it said there, near Peel, somewhere there is an old extinguished volcano. Yeah. Aha! God's finger once touched the ground here on the Isle of Man and uh, a mountain began to smoke. It has happened. It, 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 it took place. It really happened. Yeah. He looketh on the earth and it trembleth. He touches the hills and they smoke. Now, realizing all of this, having heard all of this, what is your response? Well, if you're a believer, it's very clear. Verse 33, I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. It's the consequence. It's the result. If you're touched, if the message now actually hit your heart and your minds, uh, you will want to sing the hymn that's, that we'll sing just now. Yeah? It's the consequence. That's, that, that, that's what follows. Yeah? I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will praise, give, I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. While I have my being. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Now he's wishing for this that my meditation, and I don't like the word meditation, I want to use more the word thinking because meditation is so so new agey and uh, new age is not not, not Christianity and um, God is calling us to think. In the Psalms he says, come and let us reason together, let us think together. Yeah. So here also 
let my thinking, let my thinking of him shall be sweet. And we can ask ourselves this question. Is our thinking of him, is it sweet? Is it good? Yeah. Uh, if, if you have, you, you have parents and you ask yourself the question, is your, your thinking of your parents sweet? Is it good? Are you giving glory and honor to your parents as you're commanded to do? Is your, your thinking of your parents good? Yeah. Or is your thinking of God good? Does it give glory and honor to God? Or do you say, no, no, you know what? I don't believe in this. You created everything. I believe in evolution. Or maybe evolution and creation. Yeah, you created matter and then it all went uh, on by itself. Yeah. That is a thinking not pleasing to God because he says otherwise. And his signature was also visible when Jesus Christ walked here on earth among us for 33 years. The last three years, his ministry years, he signed constantly, it is me, the creator, by performing all the miracles. Every miracle he performed, he was saying and he was signing, it is I who made it all. I am the one. I am the creator. Now, question is, is your thinking of Jesus Christ, of God, is it appealing to him? Yeah. Uh, is it, no, not appealing, is it sweet to him? Is it sweet to him? That we, we, we can take this question into our future. We can apply it to everything. Is our thinking sweet to him? Is it sweet to him? If our thinking is influenced by the Bible, it will be sweet to him. If it is influenced by the word of God, it will be sweet to him. If it is not, it will be bitter. It will not be love. It will be hate. Yeah? It's like a litmus test. Test yourself. Is your thinking sweet to him? Yeah? If not, admit it. Admit it. Say my thinking is not sweet. Admit it and say, help me, O Lord. And he will help you. If you're honest, if you turn to him, if you ask for forgiveness, he will forgive you. But only if you're honest, if you're serious about it. Otherwise not. Yeah, That is all together here. My thinking of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Ask yourself, are you, are you glad in the Lord? Are you, are you happy in your faith? Are you, are you holding on to this ring? Are you holding on to Christ Jesus, to everything that He did on the cross for you? Yeah. Are you holding on to this? Are you glad in the Lord? And now a, a warning. God is also addressing the non-believers. Yeah, a lot of times people think, uh, uh, non-believers, heathens, uh, uh, they think, oh yeah, the Bible, that's the book for the Christians and I don't need this. Well, you're wrong. Because a lot of text in the Bible is addressed to the non-believers. Yeah? And, and here you have a text. In verse 35 it says, Let the sinners be consumed out of the earth and let the wicked be no more. Yeah? It doesn't mean that they won't exist anymore. It means they will be no more in his presence, in the presence of goodness. That means when you die... 
you can believe it or not, you can try it out, it's the most dangerous experiment you can try out, uh, when you die, you will be separate from God, from the Creator in all eternity. This is what, the, what, what, what God calls hell. Yeah? You want to try it out? God is warning you. He's warning you. You have only one time to die, and then you'll see if it's true or not. You'll find out. God is a loving God, and he's addressing you on this issue. He's addressing the non-believers here. He's addressing every non-believer on this issue, and he says, let the sinners be consumed out of the earth, and let the wicked be no more, no more in his presence forever and ever. Here on earth, while we have this time of grace until the return of Christ until we will also be with him in, in heaven, the believers. Um, in this time, we are still uh, subject to, to his presence. Uh, there are Christians around us. There is the general grace. There is there's something that we, we still get. Yeah? But there is a time when you die and where everything that is good is going to be absent. That is hell. Everything that is good will not be there anymore. That means it will be sickness, it will be death, it will be fire, it will be heat, it will be hatred, it will be murder, uh, and it will be non-stop for all eternity. For all eternity. Or, the other option is, be in his presence and have the total absence of hatred, of death, of, of judgment, of, of, of fire, yeah, but only have goodness. Imagine this. Imagine being in heaven in all eternity and you don't sin anymore and you are not affected by sin anymore. Imagine this. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And that is the opposite. Question is, how do you stand before the cross? Do you say, Jesus is right? Uh, or do you say, I'm right and Jesus is wrong? Where, where do you stand? God is warning the unbelievers here. He's warning. Yeah? He's painted a picture for you, for everyone who hears the Creator and His greatness and His majesty. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being, or while I have my being. And then verse 35, let the sinners be consumed out of the earth and let the wicked be no more. A big, big, big warning. God's love. God's love. He's not just letting it happen. He is warning. Yeah. Pedagogically correct, loving, nice. He's warning. Yeah. Don't run away from the truth. Don't do it. And the last two sentences. Bless thou the Lord, O my soul. Again, this command. The bracket is closing. Again, remember, in the beginning it opened with saying, um, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And he's talking about the creation. And he closes the bracket again and he says, Bless thou the Lord, O my soul. Praise ye the Lord. Having understood all of this, having at least heard it, please don't run away from it. Don't. I want to give you one last example of what man is like. 
And it, it was, it is such a big warning for me. And you will see, uh, years ago, I looked after a young boy. He was 13 years old back then. His mom was undergoing therapy and she was in hospital. And the father was an engineer and would only leave at seven in the morning and come home at seven in the evening. And the 13 year old came home from school and no one was there. I was there and I cooked lunch for him and I helped him with his homework and then I up and left. And he had uh, like two or three hours until his dad came. Uh, one day I stood in the kitchen and I was cooking. And when I was finished, I called him. He was in the garden and I said, Martin, come in. Lunch is ready. And his parents had told me, Martin is not allowed to play with fire. 13-year-old boys, yeah, uh, girls are, of course, never a problem. Um, I'm joking. Uh, he came in and he had a pony like this, nice straight haircut. And there was a huge gaping hole in here, hair missing. He had burnt a lot of hair away. And I could see that his eyebrows and his eyelashes were also singed. And uh, I, I looked at him, uh, I thought, oh, I failed. I didn't look after him. I felt, yeah, guilty. But I turned to him and I said, uh, Martin, you played with fire. And he said, no, I didn't. It's <laughs> like, this big hole. And I said, you, you played with fire. No, I didn't. And I said, Martin, you have this much hair missing. You played with fire. No, I didn't. And then I was at the end. My word didn't work anymore. So what did I do? I turned to the mirror and I said to him, we were in, in the hallway and I said, there is a mirror. Go and look in the mirror. And he went up to the mirror, looked in and he said, I see nothing. And I stood there and I didn't know whether to laugh or to cry. Yeah, it was hilarious because an idiot saying, I see nothing. Yeah. And I saw at the same time the mechanism that is also active in me. When I face the truth, I don't want to face it. And what about the cross? It's the truth. Do you want to face it? Yeah. Or do you not? Ask yourself this question. Yeah, learn from this. Our nature is so that we deny it and that we run away. Is our nature. But by the grace of God, some of us turn around and say, yep, that's me. That's me. And that is the Christian. And may you also all not run away from the truth, truth but turn to the truth. I want to pray. Lord, we want to thank you that you are such a loving God in giving us your word and speaking to us. After the fall, you did not just get up and burn us, burn Adam and Eve, but you actually went into, into paradise. <coughs> you stepped into your creation this last evening in paradise and you called Adam and Eve, knowing where they were, Yet still you asked this question, where are you, Adam and Eve? And you, the omniscient God, you knew where they were. But this question coming from you, it shows how deep man has fallen, how deep we have fallen. And it is the same question that, that appears again and again in our lives. How deep have we fallen? What has become of us? And how do we stand before the truth, before the cross, before Christ Jesus? O oh Lord, prevent us 
from running away from the truth, from running away from you, but actually facing it and bowing down and living a life to your glory and your honor and not living a life to our own glory and honor. Lord, prevent us from from this happening in our lives and help us also to spread your word aright to those that are around us, that they too may be saved and made anew through you and by you. Thank you for the love we can see in speaking to us, in calling us, in making us anew. Amen.